Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Um, can we just do something? Did y'all enjoy that? Landon playing the guitar and Ella on the piano? Did you enjoy that? Give, give, give them a round of applause. I'm telling you, I know Landon and Ella were nervous about this because it was a change from what we've been doing. And uh, I just think they did a fan, especially, and again, it's going to get better and better. I know it is because uh, he did a great job. They both did a great job, but it was the first time. And they've been working hard this week trying to get together and it's not an easy thing, but they did a wonderful job, and I'm thankful for their willing spirit to be used and to serve, and uh, just thankful for that so very much. I'm thankful for you, because change is never easy, and um, it's a little change, and uh, most of us get used to things being a certain way, and we like things a certain way, and uh, there's a book even been recently written, but back a number of years ago, I guess, but still rather recently about who moved my cheese. And it's basically about things getting moved around. There's another one that's for pastors called who moved my pulpit. And uh, it's about how we don't like change most of the time, but I really enjoyed that and looking forward uh, to what God's going to do uh, through Landon's leadership, but also as Ella develops and she plays and then others get involved as well. And I'm just excited about that, and so thank you very much for that. Turn again, if you would, in your Bibles this morning to Mark and chapter 9 and verse 14. I'm going to read a little bit more than what Mark read this morning. I wanted him to read a short passage. Uh, I'm going to read the whole section that we had in your bulletin for you to look at. And I'm going to let you remain seated as we do that. Uh, because it is several verses, and what we're going to get in the habit of doing is we're going to get in the habit of standing when Mark reads, and I'll let you sit when I read. But if you would, take your Bibles and hold them up, and not don't repeat after me, just say it with me. Now, we've been doing this for a little while. Say it with me. This is the Word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. Mark 9, verse 14 says this, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And the idea there is actually arguing with them. And straightway all people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? Or what's your argument? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. In other words, uh, he couldn't speak. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake unto thy disciples that they should cast him out, the evil spirit, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. 
And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he is one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us today as we look into your word, as we learn the lessons of this lesson in your word. And God, that you would help our unbelief. God, we need you. Lord, I need you. And Father, I pray that you would just work in us a wonder, a miracle in our faith, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you struggle in your faith? Don't answer me out loud. I'm not looking for you to answer me out loud, but just in your mind, do you, like me, have times, or sometimes all the time, struggle with your faith? Now, I don't mean necessarily struggling in your faith to be saved, although that may be, for you, that may be what it is, or maybe part of it. But I'm not specifically saying just, are you struggling to believe you're saved? I'm talking about in life, in living, in other areas. Areas that you say, I'm just not sure whether God can do this thing. If God is big enough to answer, and out loud you would never say that, but in your heart of hearts, sometimes you wonder. What is it that you are asking God, that you're asking Him for, that seems impossible. And if you're not asking him for anything that is impossible or that seems impossible, then I would say already we know that you have a struggle in your faith. But what is it that you're asking God or you would ask God if you believed he could do it to do? Again, I'm not asking you to answer me out loud. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to write it down on that piece of paper. Just you don't, don't put your name on it. Just write what it is. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's what, whatever it is. Maybe it's a name of somebody to be saved. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's for a, a, to finish college. Maybe it's for God to use you. Whatever it is. I mean, something that you, that you don't think of it just now and say, well, this is what I need to ask God for. What are you praying or what is it in your mind that is your giant? Your thing that like this is the biggest thing. And I say the biggest thing because the Bible tells us that whatever we ask, he can do abundantly beyond what we can ask. And so therefore, if what you first think to write down, that may not be big enough, but write down that thing. Maybe it's a future thing. Maybe it's something that you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's, again, maybe it's somebody that is in your family. 
a lost person, a wayward child, a, a spouse, maybe it's a marriage, maybe whatever it is, just write that down and then just fold it over and just hold on to it. Are you struggling in your faith? Oh, you know, we spiritualize this and we say, well, yeah, there's this thing, but it's just not, it must not be God's will because he hasn't done it. I do that all the time. I'll be praying for something and then I'll say, well, it just must not be God's will because he hasn't answered it that way or he hasn't done it that way. And sometimes that might be true, but there are other things that he absolutely is his will. I'm going to go ahead and tell you mine right now. My giant of a thing is for this church to be the church it ought to be. To grow and to win the lost and to see lives changed and to see people grow in their faith in a mighty way. That's my thing. That's my giant. And I'm going to be honest, there's times that I'm like, God, you just aren't doing it, or God, it's just not happening, or God, it's just not going to happen. And that's my area of unbelief, my area I struggle with. That's the thing that I'm asking God. But you write down your thing. I've got lots of things, but that was the one that was on my heart this week as I prepared this message. Maybe it's just not God's will. But what if it absolutely is God's will? I believe it absolutely is God's will for this church to be used in a mighty way of Him. I believe that. So I can't say, well, it's not just God's will for us to be a church and not ever reach anybody. That can't be it. Now, we don't know who we touch and who we don't, and we're not responsible for the results. You've heard me say that many times. But nonetheless... Maybe you're like me, and I've heard some of you say, I want people to, people to come back to Pleasant Hill for us to grow as a church. Maybe that's your giant like it is for me. Maybe it's for someone to be saved. Maybe it's for a marriage to be restored. Maybe it's for a wayward child to come back home. All those things are God's will. God is not in favor of marriages falling apart. God is not in favor of prodigal sons that don't come home. God is not in favor of people that to not be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. So therefore, there are things that we ought to be praying for and asking God for, and we can't kind of sweep it under the rug by saying, well, I guess it's just not God's will, because they are God's will. So this message I'm bringing is help for our unbelief. And I get it right there where he says, I believe. And I'm telling you, I believe and I pray, I pray, God, I believe you want to do great things at Pleasant Hill. Not for my glory, not for our glory, but for anybody else. But God, sometimes I just struggle. And I say, God, help my unbelief. We all have problems. We all have troubles in our lives. These people in this passage had problems and troubles in their lives. Can you look at them with me for a moment? Look in the scripture and you're going to see that there was obviously a son, a boy, a young man. We don't know what his age was and it doesn't really matter. We know that he was this man's son and we know that he was not a young boy because he said this happened when he was a young boy and he's had it all his life. So therefore, he was of some age, but he was a son. And he had a demon that 
lived in him that possessed him and made him deaf and mute. And not only that, but it also would throw him into the fire. It would throw him into the water. It would make him do all crazy things. At times, it seemed like it was going to destroy him. This boy, this young man, this person, this son had a problem. The father had a problem. Can you just imagine for a moment if it was your son, your daughter, your grandchild that had the problem of being thrown into the fire and thrown into the water and nearly destroyed and couldn't speak and couldn't hear and acted crazy and foamed the mouth. Can you imagine how heartbroken and how desperate you would be with this problem that has never gone away? This father had a problem. Not only did he have a son who was plagued, but even when he tried to bring him to Jesus, there were hindrances in the way. And sometimes we have problems like this father, and things get in the way. And what I mean by that is the scribes got in the way. But also the disciples got in the way. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus wasn't right there at that moment. So disciples, they tried to heal him. They tried to cast out the demon. They couldn't. That caused the scribes, the religious leaders, say, you guys don't have, we don't know what the argument was, but I'm speculating. They're arguing about something. They're questioning something. Who are you to think you can cast out this demon? See, you can't cast out this demon. This father, what are you even coming to these guys for? They don't have any power. This Jesus isn't anybody special. And there's sometimes in our life that we try to go to God just like this father did and things get in the way, preventing us, hindering us, derailing us, sidetracking us. And we can't ever seem to get a solution to our problem. The disciples had problems. They couldn't cast him out. Not only could they not cast him out, but because of their lack of ability to cast him out, now they had people that were more skeptical of them than they would have been because (laughs) you guys, can you imagine, you guys can't, who do you think you are? You guys don't have any real power. You talk about all this business, and people come to us as Christians, and they say, you talk about this peace. You talk about this God you have, and yet you've got the same problems, and you have the same attitude issues, and you have the same health problems, or you have the same sin problem, just like I do. Oh, listen, we've got problems. I don't know what all your problems are. Oh, I could go and I could probably call out some things that you've told me about or I could some things that maybe I know about or I can speculate about, but I don't know what your giants are. I don't know what all your problems are. There's some of you that are more open with me about that than others, and that's fine. But either way, that some of you don't tell me a whole lot, some of you tell me everything, and I in either way, it's all right. But I'm simply saying, I don't know what all your problems are, but I know that we've got problems. Everybody has problems. Even Jesus, in his life on the earth, had problems. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, preacher. Well, he did have problems. We know the boy had problems because he was demon-possessed. We know the father had a problem because nobody could heal his son and cast out the demon. We know the scribes and the religious leaders had problems because they weren't believing. They had problems too. They didn't believe Jesus was the answer. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. They didn't believe he had any power. And so therefore, they had their own problems of unbelief. 
But Jesus had problems. Jesus had problems because he had a bunch of followers that weren't able to cast out the demon. He actually says in verse 19, he answers, said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Jesus had some problems in this earth in his life. Now, you say, wait a minute, he's God. Right, but in his humanity, in his earthly ministry, coming as a man, he dealt with problems. He was going to face the cross. He was going to face torture. He was going to face being separated from God. He was facing problems. He was dealing with problems. Now, who the faithless generation was, I think that was everybody he's talking to. I think it was the scribes, the religious leader. They're faithless because they don't believe at all. The people that were there that were watching, perhaps the father even, again, he struggled in his faith, and so that was a problem. But also disciples. They obviously had a problem in their faith because they weren't able to cast him out. And so therefore Jesus had some problems. We all have problems. The resistance that he was facing, the shadow of the cross that he knew to which he was going, we all have problems. But I want you to see we also have a root of the problem, and I want you to see the root of the problem. The root of the problem, you may say, and you're right, rightfully say, the root of, our, of the problem here in this place was sin and the devil. And that's true. And the root of all of our problems is sin in a cursed world and a cursed nature. Meaning, when Adam and Eve sinned, God put a curse on the earth for our sake. And also the fact that in putting the curse on the earth for our sake, we therefore then had a cursed nature, a sin nature. That's our cursed nature. That's our condemned nature. Our flesh, if you're saved, you have a new nature, but your old nature is going to be one day completely destroyed and annihilated. Right now, it's no longer master over you, but one day it will be destroyed completely. But right now, we still have a cursed world we live in. We still have a cursed nature that tries to get us to do the wrong thing. And so therefore, sin, sickness, disease, lack of faith, all these things are ultimately because of a sin problem. But more specific was this. The root ultimately is sin, but the problem was a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief. This man was having a crisis of belief. He said, I've got faith, but I, I believe, but help my unbelief. It was a crisis. Can God do what I've, what I've heard that he can do, what I'm being told in his word that he can do, what I've seen him do for this man, what I've seen him do in others perhaps, but can he do it for me? And we would say, The same thing. There's a crisis of belief that comes on our life. We read in God's Word. We know that He can do, but will He do? Can He do this giant thing for me? The religious leaders were having a crisis of belief. They were choosing not 
to believe. It was still a crisis. We all have a moment, a trial, a hardship, a decision comes in, and we have a crisis of are we going to believe or not believe? That's the crisis. And that was the real problem. Now, God allows for us to enter in to crisis. We've talked about this many times. We look at the life of Job, and we see that the devil could do nothing to Job unless it passed through the permission of God on the throne. And if it was the same as it was for Job, it's the same for us today. There is nothing that can occur to us that we can encounter today that God doesn't allow. He may not have caused the crisis in your life, but he's always in control of the crisis in your life. And he will always use the crisis in your life. The Bible tells us all things work together to him that loves the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so therefore, whatever trial, trouble, hardship, difficulty, giant you face in this world, God can take that and make it for the good. And so therefore, he's in control. He, he allows it. He controls it. He will always have power over it, but also he will use it in your life. But here's why this crisis comes and why he allows us to go through a crisis of belief. Because when the trouble comes, when the trial comes, it reveals where your faith as a Christian or a non-Christian, but hopefully you all in here are Christians, it reveals where your faith stands. What is the reality of your faith? Is it a misplaced faith that you have? For example, this father for years had this problem. I'm sure he had gone to doctors. I'm sure he had gone to religious leaders. It doesn't say that, but can you just for a moment imagine you're the parent, you're the grandparent, you've got this child, this grandchild, or you're the caregiver, or you're the, the, the parental figure, or you're whatever. You're the one just watching this child, and you desperately want to do something. You don't just sit there and wait until he's older and say, oh, okay, there's this guy here that claims to be able to do stuff. I'm taking him. No, he would have gone to doctors. He would have gone to religious leaders. He would have tried everything he could possibly imagine to do something for his son. It had been plaguing him all his life. When Jesus asks him, and he says, how long, verse 21, how long ago since this child, this came unto him, and he said, of a child. But he was placing faith perhaps in the wrong places, and then when he came and Jesus wasn't there, he misplaced it on the apostles, the disciples. You say, well, the disciples should have been able to do something, but they couldn't, so therefore it was misplaced. Perhaps it's a lack of faith. The crisis comes and you have no ability to believe that God can do anything because your faith is not in God. We see that here in this passage because the religious leaders, who, by the way, believed in God, but they did not believe in Jesus, and so therefore they had a lack of faith. And perhaps you're here today or someone's listening to me today and they have no faith because they've never put their faith 
and the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross for you and for me, the one who, can, who is every bit God is God the Father, the one who can do it all, and there's nothing that he can't do. He created the universe out of nothing with a word out of his mouth. He stopped the storm with a whisper of peace be still. He multiplied food for thousands. There is nothing. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He raised himself. There is nothing that he cannot do. But we have a lack of faith. Perhaps you have a struggling faith. You like this father. This father had misplaced the faith, but also he had a struggling faith because his intention was to bring him to Jesus. He says that. He says, I was bringing him to you. And he got derailed. He got sidetracked. Oh, my friends, where is this crisis, this problem that comes in your life? It's going to reveal where your faith is stands. And ultimately that crisis, God allows it to create in you a desperate faith. This father had a desperate faith. If you can do anything, please do it. Look at him. Look at what he does. He's asked, and Jesus said, if thou can't, and I'm sorry, uh, verse 23, Jesus says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And verse 24, right away, straightway, the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Oh, he was desperate to help his son. Desperate. But that problem, that giant, that trouble, creates the crisis of belief which God allows and God is in control of, but God is going to use to show you and to show me where do I stand in my faith. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm not doubting whether you believe him to be saved. I'm saying, are, are you doubting whether he can slay the giant in your life? Are you doubting whether he can bring your child back into the will of God? Are you doubting whether he can lead your and restore your marriage? Are you doubting whether he can heal a sickness or that he can build a church? You see, not only do we have a problem and a root of a problem, but we have an answer for our problems, and the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus, because when he came to him, the disciples couldn't do anything, the religious leaders couldn't do anything, the man and everybody else he had gone to couldn't do anything, but Jesus did something, and Jesus healed him. That's ultimately when he comes and he calls on Jesus, and we need to call out to Jesus with tears and with desperation and say, God, please, if I know you can do something, please won't you do something. And there's times that we have to, as this man did, bypass the distractions and the diversions when we call on Jesus because God will bring that crisis of belief and as Christians we'll call out on Him, but then something will try to interrupt. It might be a child, it might be a phone call, it might be something else in life, it might be another problem, it might be work, it might be a friend that says, oh, does you think God really has time for all that? Whatever it might be, there's a distraction and a diversion along the way. And I just want you to see how Jesus dealt with the distractions and the diversions. He didn't deal in that moment with what the argument was. He said, what are you arguing about? And the guy comes forward. He didn't bother talking anymore to the religious leaders. 
There are some times in our life that we just have to put aside the distraction. The disciples couldn't heal him. He didn't deal in that moment with why they couldn't heal him. He dealt with that later. Put aside the distractions. Put aside the diversions. I can imagine Peter, James, and John are coming to Jesus at the same time as his father going, Lord, we tried to do it. We did. Why couldn't we do it? In fact, later we see them actually asking. Jesus is the answer. And you say, but preacher, I've got Jesus in my life and I'm calling on Jesus. It is when we step out of the way that God will step in. The disciples stepped out of the way. The man stepped out of the way. And he said, if you can do it, just do it. If you can do it, please, if you can do anything at all for him, have compassion on us, verse 22, and help us. Sometimes we get so busy thinking that we can do it, or we get so busy, as a man, I get so busy trying to fix the problem, right? I'm, I'm, Tracy comes to me and she's got a problem, and, my, and she just wants to talk about it, ladies. You just want to talk about it, right? You don't necessarily want me to give you an answer. Hunter, learn this lesson. When you get married and your wife comes to you and she starts telling you some problem, don't right away say, I'm going to fix it. Just, just listen. It's taken me 21 years to figure this out. Just listen. That doesn't mean there might not be a time that you fix it. I'm just simply saying, sometimes the, they, they come, they just want us to, to, to listen. But we get so busy, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to this doctor. I'm going to go to do this thing. I'm going to go fix this problem myself. And we get so stubborn, and we try, and we try, and we try, and we try, and we try. And guess what happens when you get done trying all that time? You get tired, and you get frustrated. And you get calloused, and you give up. God hasn't done it yet. And we get frustrated and defeated and beaten down, and we stop calling on God. Oh, it seems that God's not listening, or God won't answer, or He can't do the thing that we're asking. Or we start to think, well, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. It's, it, God won't do it for me. I'm just going to be perfectly, I, I try to be honest all the time with you. I, I, I don't, but transparent with you. There's times I hear preachers talking about how people are coming and being saved and they're coming down the aisle and this person was baptized and that person was baptized. And I look and I say to God, God, what is wrong with me? Why doesn't that happen here? And I told you in the very beginning, on my little piece of paper, I was going to write down for the church to grow. 
that was my one thing. All week long, as I'm preparing the message, I was like, that's my thing. That's what I've been asking God for. That's what I'm begging God for. And so far, we haven't seen it happen, at least not that we can physically see. And I keep telling myself, and it's the truth, I'm not responsible for the results. God is. The Holy Spirit is. And so, Jonathan, you can't get so upset, and you can't give up, and you can't quit. But there's still times that that old sinful flesh and the devil comes, and he'll say to you, just like he said to me, oh, but see, he doesn't really love you. He's not really all that powerful. God really can't do it. And last night, as I was trying to finish up my message, because Landon and I had the joy and the privilege of going to a conference down in Atlanta that thrilled my soul. It was refreshing and invigorating. And I realized as I was preparing my message, my thing can't be for the church to grow. My thing has to be for God to grow my faith. If God grows my faith and helps my unbelief, then it doesn't matter whether it's the church thing or it's my family thing or my children or how we're going to get through school with my kids or what's going to happen with the country in a presidential election and the direction we're going or whether it's a brother that might be lost or whether it's a brother who's away from God or whether it's a friend and their children, whatever it is, if God grows my faith, then I don't have the problem with the unbelief. And so therefore, on your sheet of paper, I want you to take it and do this. Right underneath whatever you wrote, God help my unbelief. Because that's my prayer for you, is not necessarily that God slays whatever dragon, whatever giant it was that you wrote down. My prayer is that God simply gives you the faith to believe that he can. And when you step out of the way and the disciples stepped out of the way and the fathers stepped out of the way and the religious leaders were outside of the way, that's when Jesus healed the boy. Oh, my friends. We get to the point where it's not that we turn to him. We just give up and turn away. But before that happens, before the father had quit, he came to Jesus. Before you get to the point where you throw up your hands and you quit, and he said, wait a minute, I thought you said I need to get out of the way. Yes, but keep calling on him. But God, I can't do it anymore. Remember the disciples in the boat in the storm, and they were rowing, and they were rowing, and they were rowing, and they weren't making any progress whatsoever. And Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And they finally call out to him after hours of rowing. Now, Jesus, aren't you, aren't, aren't, you ups, aren't you worried that we're going to die? Aren't you upset that we're going to die in this storm? And he said, peace be still. Peter and Andrew and the other fishermen fished all night, hadn't caught a thing. They came in after not catching anything all night long. And Jesus says, have you any fish? And they hadn't caught anything all night. And he says, throw your nets over one more time. Cast them on the other side. And Peter says, we fished all night. We've been trying. We're exhausted. We quit. We're giving up. And he said, just one more time. Cast them on the other side. 
And what happened? They caught a, such a great catch of fish, they had to call in the other boat to help them get the fish to the shore. What I'm saying is this, it's not before you get to the point where you give up on calling on God, before you give up on turning to God, before you get to that point, step out of the way and say, God, I can't do it anymore. Please do something. And when we step out of the way, He steps in. When we move out of the way, He moves in. Oh, He will use us to be a channel of grace to somebody, an instrument in His hands for somebody. But ultimately, it's God. When God steps in, it is always the Lord that accomplishes the work through us or through some other means, yes, but it's a miracle that He will accomplish when it's His will and things like people being saved and things like churches growing and things like whatever it is in your life. that you, Listen, it, it can be God's will and we need to believe and say, God, help my unbelief and just be honest and say, God, I'm struggling. Please help me to believe. All things are possible, verse 23, to him that believes. And so therefore, if my unbelief is helped and healed, and I'm believing, then taking you to other passages, I can move mountains. Taking you to other passages, there is nothing that I can't do in God's will him doing it through me, yes. But my point is, what we really need is not for the giant, not for the problem, not for the thing, but for God simply to grow our faith. I close with this. The lyrics to this song. And I'm done. Song I heard this week. I'd never heard it before. I'm not going to give you the whole song. I'm not going to try to sing it. That'd be Landon's job later on. Maybe he'll teach it to us. But it's called The Same God. Biblical song. Sometimes we get new songs and they're nowhere in Scripture. And you say, what? Are, what? Wait, what? This song is about the fact that we're calling on the same God of the Bible. When we pray... I'm calling on the God of Jacob, the song says. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the song says. I'm calling on the God of Mary, the song says. And then it says, I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. And I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Oh God, I need you. How I need you. Oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You moved in power then. You move in power now. You are the same God. That's the God to which we can pray. That's the God to which we can turn. That's the God to which we can come and say, God, I'm, 
out of the way. I can't do it. Only you, nobody else but you can do this thing. And it may be a thing, but ultimately it is God. Help my unbelief. In other words, help my faith to be what it ought to be. Will you pray that with me this morning? Will you make that your prayer this morning? Heard something else this week that I thought was a fantastic statement, and I'm going to give it to you tonight or this morning. I'm changing it just a little bit, but are you willing? Well, do you have, do you believe, are you willing to believe that God can give you a greater faith? Are you willing to believe that God can grow your faith and help your unbelief? And if not, are you willing to be willing? Are you willing to be willing? to believe, and that we would pray, God, if I'm not willing, please make me willing. God, help my unbelief. Will you make that your prayer today? I'm going to ask, whatever thing you put on your paper, Landon's going to come and he's going to lead us in this song of invitation. We're not going to sing because we don't know this song, most of us. It's a new song that I want him to teach us as well moving forward. but it's called the goodness of God. And I want you just to listen. But if you're willing, will you just take your sheet of paper and come up here and just lay them on the altar? Your name's not going to be on them. I'm going to take them and pin them to the cross that we have in here. And I'm going to explain more about that again in a minute. But we're going to pin them to that cross. But if you just leave them on the altar and just say a word of prayer to God, God, help. Maybe it's that thing, but God, more than this thing in this paper, help my unbelief. Won't you come? as Landon sings. Stand with me if you're physically able to stand. And if God moves into your heart, won't you come, bring your paper, and leave it on the altar.
surrender now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me When my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I'm gonna sing in this goodness of God We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Till I crawl